Hello mental health champs and a warm warm welcome to yet another episode on the show. If you're listening to the sound of my voice for the first time, well, you're listening to the Mental Health Podcast and I am your host, Irike Tumafivo. The Mental Health Podcast was created out of the depths of my heart to show up, speak up and be boldly honest about my beliefs and the magic and also to create even more awareness on mental health and mental health challenges. In any episode which your heart or leave a spark within, leave a review and share with your friends so the podcast can reach more people and create even more heartfelt sparks. And I believe in synchronicity and not coincidence. So if you find yourself listening to any of these episodes, maybe there's a jewel for you in here especially. And maybe heartbeat by heartbeat, we'll all be able to create a world where human emotions are prioritized even more so sit back as we dive right into the conversation hello beautiful people on this space and a warm warm welcome to yet another episode on the show so today's episode we have an amazing guest and i'm honestly super glad about this episode because it's something that i have been anticipating for quite some time now and i'm glad that I have the opportunity to have this conversation. So I have an amazing and interesting woman today on the Mental Health Podcast. She is wonderful and she's incredible. And yes, she's on the Mental Health Podcast. I am super excited. Dr. Adria, thank you so much for wanting to have this episode with me. It means absolutely a lot to me. and to my audience as well. Thank you so much for taking our time, even in your busy schedule, to do this with me. I am honored that you are here and I do not take this for granted. So on today's episode, Dr. Adrian and I are going to be talking about the importance of self-care and compassion for healthcare and healthcare professionals and medical students. So Dr. Adria, the floor is yours. Kindly introduce yourself to my listeners. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Adara Landry and I'm an emergency medicine physician at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. I'm also an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. I um, focus most of my career on helping young early career professionals develop um, who they are as a person and who they want to be in in the workplace as a professional. Um, I do that now as an advisor for the Harvard Medical School. I'm also on the Harvard Medical School Admissions Committee. And um, in the past, I was an assistant residency director for the um, emergency medicine residency here, as well as a fellowship director. And um, I've had various opportunities um, to emphasize um, self-care and self-compassion, and I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I will say that my main way of um, teaching people the importance of self-care and self-compassion is is via writing. Um, I love to write about the workplace and um, ways to make the workplace feel healthier and more inclusive for everyone. Um, I appreciate all opportunities um, to really spread the message um, within academia and um, to larger audiences. So I um, have written for um, 
you know, perspective pieces for New England Journal of Medicine, um, academic medicine, um, but I've also written for the lay press like Vogue and Teen Vogue and Harvard Business Review and Fast Company. And I have a book coming out in April of 2024, so just three months, called Micro Skills. And it's about um, ways to improve your career by just doing, um, you know, the smallest, most focused actions. Um, and is written by myself and another doctor, Dr. Risa E. Lewis. And together as physicians, we're writing this book that we feel like is infused with this idea of you can be better at your career um, without having to sacrifice your mental health, physical health, social health. And we really are writing from a place of understanding that a lot of the teaching that we received was on the lines of don't complain, work hard, you know, work all night, say yes to everything, put in more and more and more energy into your job. And for me, you know, I have a mother of three that is just not sustainable. And so I wanted to write a book um, for the, the wider audience. Um, and I wanted it to be from two physicians, people who really understand um, the spectrum of health and how our, our ability to work affects our health in many ways. And so we wrote a book that is, um, you know, for everyone, it's for any profession, right? You don't have to just be doctors, um, but it's really, it's really coming from a, a place of taking care of the self before you take care of the team, before you take care of the work. Thank you so much, Dr. Adiria, for that wonderful introduction. Talk about a strong, resilient black woman in healthcare dominating the healthcare system. So Dr. Adiria, I want to know what's inspired you to focus on mentorship and career development for early career professionals? A lot of what I am doing is inspired by what I have struggled with. Um, I came from a very loving household, two amazing parents, who did not go to a four-year university, who did not take the SATs, did not understand the um, steps it took to um, you know, get into a four-year university, go to medical school and residency and fellowship. And I assume um, there are many people out there whose parents are also wonderful and did not know the steps um, for them either. And so I think this is where mentorship, career mentorship is so important because you need someone to fill that gap. And um, so when I went to college, I was a little bit young. So I got accepted to UC Berkeley when I was 15 and I am actually moved out of my parents' house and moved into the dorms. Um, they were in Southern California. The program university was in Northern California. So I moved out at 16 and that was a really eye-opening experience i was on campus with you know I, I mean my roommate was i think 21 and um i had other roommates who were you know 19 20 and so it was just a very different experience for me and luckily i knew how to study you know i knew how to just focus on school that part was not too hard um, but i think just being in a very large university and not really having that person who I felt like could be a home base was a challenge like 
when it came to picking out which classes to take, learning how to get into medical school. That was all very challenging. And I didn't even understand how to find a mentor, nurture the relationship, and how to ask questions. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. And um, it wasn't until the end of medical school where I, I really had my first mentor, someone who I felt was really interested in just building a relationship with me and getting to know me as a complete person. And um, after I had you know that one really positive experience, I started finding more and more mentors and trying to really understand the types of relationships you can build with people. And so, um, you know, by that point, I was almost 30. And I um, focus on early career professionals because it's really important for people at the entry point to feel welcomed and included and to feel validated. And so I love working with, um, you know, medical students as well as college students. And, and honestly, I'm moving more and more towards high school students because I think the earlier we can normalize the presence of black women, black people in academia and doing well in education, the more we do that, the earlier we do that, the longer I think we can stay in the system. Um, and so that's that's sort of the, the impetus. It, it was really born out of what I didn't have and thinking, well, now I'm in a place that I can help others. All right, Dr. Adjaya, thank you so much. I think it's very important to have a supportive family. I personally, I come from a really supportive family and and I love the fact that I, I know I can achieve anything I want to because I have a strong support system behind me. You know, somebody gave me wings to fly and it has made all the difference. So, moving on to self-care, Dr. Adiria, how would you define self-care and why do you think it's crucial for us healthcare professionals and medical students to actually prioritize? You know, self-care for me was a, um, it, it took a while for me to really understand what self-care looked like for me. And self-care for me, it might look very different for for you, but for me, it's it is the ability to control um, my time and what I want to do when I want to do it. And as an emergency medicine doc, I have some degree of control over my time, and some of it I just know by being part of this profession is um, I, I by default I have to follow the instructions of the person, for instance, who makes my clinical schedule right i can set up some parameters but ultimately it's someone else who decides and that's just part of the job right so i have to accept whether or not i'm okay with that and if i'm okay with that i have to kind of move on like that is not something i can control completely outside of that i feel like there are things that i can control i can control when i have meetings um, and which which opportunities i say yes to and how many conferences i go to every year and who I collaborate with and if I want to do research or do more lectures. So for me, self-care has always been a sense of controlling how much I want to um, use my time and when I want to use it. So it started first with me putting up boundaries that I didn't want to have meetings from six to nine. And that was like transformative for who I was as a person. <laughs> And then I went to, I don't want to have meetings on the weekends. Um, I used to do a lot of meetings on the weekends and push those and squeeze 
squeeze my family into being okay with that. But I, I don't do any meetings on the weekends now. There's some, there are like a very few exceptions to that, but like on average, you will, you would never see a meeting on my weekend. Um, and then self-care sort of manifested in the form of me stepping down from positions. I stopped taking on a lot of responsibilities at work that really weren't personally meaningful to me. And now I focus on the, on the core tasks, the core jobs that I feel like bring me joy. Um, so for me, it's always been a matter of like just being very, very, very um, in, intentional um, and thoughtful of how I control my time. Yes, I think I completely agree with you when it comes to making priorities. Now for me, I am a model. I, I, I juggle a lot of things. And I got to understand that I really needed to prioritize saying no to certain things and doing things based on my own schedule. So I started incorporating having a schedule and I let you know and, you, and I work based on my free time. So I was not caught, you know, having to run upside down, trying to do something. So I, I feel that's, that's really wonderful. So um, in your experience, Dr. Adiria, what are some common challenges that healthcare professionals face when it comes to maintaining their well-being and how can they overcome these challenges? I think the most common obstacles that we don't talk about struggling enough with each other um, and it hasn't yet been fully normalized in our profession that our profession is quite stressful and um, it is full of daily triggering events um, that can really exacerbate um, you know even some of the experiences that we've had personally um, and I, I would say the hardest part is is the lack of conversation that is constant now, I think we're getting better you had asked me I think earlier um, about some of the um, initiatives that I have done related to mental health in medicine and um, when I was a resident I started this um, program called project safe space where we hired psychologists to come in and speak to our residents about just their mental health. It was a group therapy session um, about five or six times a year for, a, I think it was about two, two and a half, maybe two hours, two and a half hours, I think. Um, and it was with a, tr a trained professional who was not part of the residency, but someone who actually was, who understood PTSD and stress. Um, because I think that's when, when it boils down to why people burn out, a lot of it is just the cumulative, the stress. And, you know, for me, I work in a very high acuity intensive environment. I work in the emergency department and that, that gives us a perfect opportunity to develop its own form of PTSD. Um, and we really wanted to sort of just bring that conversation to the forefront of, of the residency. And I started that at NYU and then I ended up bringing it um, to Harvard for a few years. And people, you know, they liked it. Not everyone, I don't want to lie and say everyone liked it because not everyone feels comfortable with these conversations and with these spaces. Um, so I think we still have, you know, I think we're making progress. I think um, luckily 
younger generations, I think, are way more open about talking about who they are and what they're struggling with. Um, and so I think that's going to, you know, over time, change the landscape in its own way. Okay, so um, this next question I'm going to ask you, it is, what role do mentor and mentee relationship play in the well-being and professional development of healthcare professionals? As a healthcare professional or as a medical student, do you think it's important that we have mentors and mentees on this space? So um, I think when it comes to support, to be quite honest, you need a support system, not just a single mentor, right? Like you need um, what many people call a personal board of directors. And that's going to be a collection of people who um, serve different purposes for you. And um, you help them as well in different ways. And so I, I have people on my team who help me when I need financial support. like. Not necessarily, not them giving me money. I meant like I might ask them about financial topics. And so they sort of advise me and they share their personal experiences. I have people who help me from the perspective of being a mother and they give me advice or lessons learned about being a mother, especially a physician mother, which has its own very unique challenges. I have people who help me with papers, getting publications. I have people now who help me with, you know, the whole process of getting promoted, right? I'm going to be going up for promotion hopefully soon. And so I've been talking to people who have done that. All of these people help decrease my stress and um, reassure me because they share their personal experiences and how related they are to mine. And I think they comfort me in various ways by saying, oh, actually what you're expressing, I have been through that as well. And so when you're early in your, in your career, you might only have one mentor, right? Like that one person who comprehensively does everything for you. But as you move along in your career and you develop new, um, new needs and um, new priorities, you're going to need more targeted expertise. And so that one person who knows a little bit about everything might still stay in your circle. And you also might need to look for people who really know a single particular topic very well. I also want to add that I, I would say having a black woman as a mentor early in my career was so critical because that person um, really focused on just making me feel like I belong. Like that was their skill set for me. And um, just being um, a home base for me where I can go to them and say, this person said this to me, am I crazy? And just having someone say back to me, no, actually you're not, this has nothing to do with you. Just that validation, that reference point was critical. All right. That's really amazing. I think I'm going to start having mentors everywhere. <laughs> Starting with you, Dr. Adiria. Okay, so, um, Dr. Adiria, could you share some strategies or practices that healthcare professionals and medical students can incorporate into their routine 
to prioritize self-care and compassion. I think two more questions as we wrap up today's episode. I think one thing that medical students can do is um, be more mindful. I mean, I, 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 I'm speaking from personal experience of not doing this, but be more mindful of what they put on their plate. Um, it's very easy as a medical student to overcommit and to say yes to everything. So I would say the first tip is to not say yes to everything, but to say, tell me more, tell me more. Tell me about the project, about the opportunity. Is there funding? Will this lead to publication? Who's, who am I working with? Um, have you done this work before? How will I be supported? Who's going to be impacted, right? Like instead of just signing up for something because it's the first thing that comes your way, you explore it a bit and then you take 48 hours to think about it and to really say, do I want to do this? Am I inspired by this work? Does this make me feel like a better person? Will this make me a better person? Will I make someone else a better person? And then the second thing I tell people is to really focus on the community around them, the people around them and um, the relationships that they can build. Because when it comes to medical school, the currency is the network that you create, the network that you leave with. Yes, Dr. Adira, it just feels like you are speaking to me directly. So I can be a really impulsive person and I, I say yes to a lot of things. And most, time, I, most times I don't even think about it before I act. I just do things. And then I find myself becoming so overwhelmed with my numerous activities and it it's becomes really terrible. So I am glad that you got to talk about this. and. I have learned so much and so much from you. So, Dr. Adiria, I would want to know how can institutions, how can medical schools, how can hospitals, how can organizations, how can they better support the well-being of their healthcare professionals and students? I think when it comes to supporting your employees or your students it really comes down to listening to them to understanding that not everyone has the same support system not everyone knows how to navigate something as complex as a medical school or a residency or fellowship um, and so i think it comes down to really listening as well as being mindful of how much pressure you're putting onto the students there's a lot of external pressure that comes from peers, that comes from within, that comes from the assumptions that students might make of what's expected of them. And there's also pressure that comes from leadership. And so I think being mindful of all of the, the inputs of pressure that students are facing is really important. And then the final thing is really providing a lot of sources of rest, you know, adequate time between rotations, between exams, so that people can really pause, reflect, think about why they are doing this in the first place. I mean, it's really tough to know that if you're constantly just moving through what feels like sometimes a hamster wheel of task after task after task. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can improve the healthcare system, starting with the medical students and creating that culture of wellness, but it centers around listening, compassionate listening, and being mindful of the pressure and the inability to rest. 
I think when it comes to supporting your employees or your students, it really comes down to listening to them, to understanding that not everyone has the same support system. Not everyone knows how to navigate something as complex as a medical school or a residency or fellowship. Um, and so I think it comes down to really listening as well as being mindful of how much pressure you're putting onto the students. There's a lot of external pressure that comes from peers, that comes from within, that comes from the assumptions that students might make of what's expected of them. And there's also pressure that comes from leadership. And so I think being mindful of all of the, the inputs of pressure that students are facing is really important. And then the final thing is really providing a lot of sources of rest, you know, adequate time between rotations, between exams, so that people can really pause, reflect, think about why they are doing this in the first place. I mean, it's really tough to know that if you're constantly just moving through what feels like sometimes a hamster wheel of task after task after task. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can improve the healthcare system, starting with the medical students and creating that culture of wellness. But it centers around listening, compassionate listening, and being mindful of the pressure and the inability to rest. Thank you so much, Dr. Adiria. It has been wonderful. So I have a request from a colleague of mine, Nazif. So he said if it was possible for us to talk about stress management on this episode. I mean, managing stress is often ignored by healthcare professionals. And I think it's very important that if we are going to maintain sound mental health, we should know how best to manage our stress levels. It's probably best to think about your stress level as you would a thermometer. And to recognize that we as individuals have our own thermometers and we have our own boiling points and we reach those boiling points differently as well. And um, I think it's really important for you just to think about like, how quickly can you get stressed out? What is it that triggers you? What happens when you reach your boiling point, your max level of stress? For me, you know, I consider myself a pretty casual person, but I definitely recognize when I'm stressed and that can happen, you know, easily. I have three children. I have a demanding academic job. I write a lot. Um, and then I also work in the emergency department. So for me, you know, one thing that really helps is always breathing. Breathing is very important. Taking a deep breath. When I'm in the car and my kids are screaming, <laughs> fighting over which song to play, I'm just driving and I'm like deep breathing, slow breathing. Um, the second is realizing sometimes that the situation is out of your control. Like there's literally nothing you can do to make this situation better. And you are not the cause of many of the situations, especially in medicine and, and healthcare that are around you. So that helps me a lot in the ED when it's super busy, we're behind, we are swamped on all angles. And I think to myself, I cannot control this. I cannot fully resolve this. So all I'm gonna do is do my best. That helps me a lot. And it puts it into perspective um, that this is, a, this is a bigger issue that is beyond my individual control. Thank 
you so much, Dr. Adria, for taking our time to be part of this episode. Now, the final question. Dr. Adria, you spoke about your book launch in April. So could you like give us little insights on the book and what we are what we are expecting? And I honestly cannot wait to get a pre-read of the book. I am honestly anticipating it myself. So can you tell us more information on how we can gain access to your book and also how it's going to help us in our professional lives, our personal life, when to say no, when to say yes, and how to prioritize our well-being in general. So our book is titled Micro Skills, Small Actions, Big Impact, and I'm co-authoring it with Dr. Risa E. Lewis. And we came together and, you know, we wanted to write a book for early career professionals who felt like they weren't doing as well as they could that everyone else around them had figured it out, had access to the playbook of success, and they didn't. And so we basically took our cumulative knowledge of being educators, of being mentors, of being writers, and put together a book that is very comprehensive, that focuses on how to be a polished communicator, how to navigate conflict, how to learn the culture of your workplace, how to, to be a subject matter expert, right? And we wanted this very comprehensive book to have extremely actionable steps so that people can really learn how to achieve the goals they have set for themselves. We had read a lot of books that were um, written by white men, older white men that were like just centered around this idea of put your head down, work really hard, stop complaining, go, 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 go. And, you know, as a black woman, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm someone who's very observant. I feel like I feel personally that if something is going on that's wrong, like I need to, I need to say something and speak up and I can't just like ignore everything and not everyone feels that way, but that's how I experience the world. And so I didn't really align with a lot of the books that I was reading about the workplace um, and I also, as a mother, I can't work all the time. Like I have a, a, a second shift. That's what it's called. It's called a second shift. And so we wanted to write a book that, you know, as physicians, we are centering it on remembering that you have to care for the self first. It's the self, then it's the team, and then it's the work. And, and we really try to keep that frame throughout the book because we want people to understand that life is more than just work. It's the people around us. It's the way we take care of our own bodies and our minds and our social networks. And um, this is a book that doesn't ignore who we are as human beings, but also delivers strategies on how to be better at work. And so our tagline is actually, buy this, better, buy this book on Friday, you'll be better at your job on Monday because we really want people to walk away from this book with very concrete, immediately implementable actions that will allow them to start working better immediately. And it is available at, you know, all the major bookstores, Amazon, um, Target, Barnes and Nobles, and independent bookstores as well. Hi, good night, everybody. Oh, thank you so much, Roma. Good night also. So everyone, Roma is telling us good night. Thank you. So doctor, 
Adaria, do you have any final words for our listeners as we wrap up today's episode? Um, I would say it's never too late or early to start taking care of who you are as a person. Um, you know, when I meet with my students, I always check in first by asking them, how does their body feel? How do you feel physically? Um, how does your mind feel? How do you feel mentally? How is your network? How do you feel socially? And I really want people to understand that the, the physical, the mental, the social health is the most basic um, set of needs that we all have. And of course, you can add on to that, right? Like financial health, of course. Um, but I feel like at the beginning of your career, at the beginning of your training, focusing on social health, uh, mental health, and your physical health, and really prioritizing those, getting those in really great shape, then I feel like you have time to do all of the other stuff. The research, the teaching, the writing, the advocacy stuff. But you have to make sure you're putting on your own oxygen mask first and taking care of your own basic needs. And this isn't meant to be selfish or self-centered. This is meant to build sustainability so that you can stay in the profession for as long as you'd like. And so you build these fundamental skills early, you're way better off because you're under you're able to understand you know, your own thermostat, your own needs, and what it takes you to get to where you want to be. Thank you so much for the invitation to come on and talk. Feel free to reach out to me. I'm on social media. Uh, my handle is at Adara Landry MD. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I have just started a TikTok. I'm thinking about doing career advice there, but um, we'll see if people like that. And um, I have an email address, I mean, a, a website, um, just www.adarelandrymd.com. And you can reach me there as well. Take care. And there you have it, guys. Thank you so much, Dr. Adera, for sharing your insights with us today. I mean, your knowledge, your wealth of knowledge has shed important lights on this aspect of mental health care. Now, to all my amazing listeners, remember that seeking for help is a sign of strength and your mental health is paramount. Join us next time for more conversations. Till then, take care of yourselves and each other. My name is Irike Tumafivo and I am signing off. Don't forget to share with your friends and family and also leave a review when you listen to the podcast. Till next time, don't forget, I love you. But God loves you more.